This is the Dream is Free podcast. I'm your host, Jake Healy. Our other host and super producer, Mike Theophil, is here. We're back. Our guest today is Chris Worth. I think as you're doing anything in self, self-development, personal development world, whatever you want to title it, I think you're always working on different things. And for me, No Quit Living came many years ago, but it also came through my financial business, through my coaching background on the basketball side. All right, we are back. This is the Dream is Free podcast. I'm your host, Jake Healy. Our other host and super producer, Mike Theophil, is here. We're back. <laughs> we're back. We Jake's, took a little, we took a little break. Away. Yeah. I uh, needed it. We're back in it. Um, our guest today is Chris Worth. He is the author of The Positivity Tribe, which is currently sold out on Amazon. So make sure you get your pre orders in ASAP wow. if you're trying to get that book. Um, he's also the CEO of no quit living, which is his business where he's offering speaker services, coaching, business mentorship, general mentorship, everything, uh, which is what he's going to tell us about today on the podcast. So thank you so much for coming on. We appreciate it. I appreciate it. It's an awesome studio you got here. And I think, uh, we have a blast today. Yeah, Yeah. I know we have, we have so many connections already. It's crazy. Like, I know. UB basketball, everything. <laughs> yeah, Legendary jersey number 31. Yes, yes, sir. Up there next to Jordan. Yes. Where it deserves to be. Where it did deserves you, to be. Did, is that signed? Oh, no, I will one day. Okay. Yeah, I one think, day. Yeah. When we when we get the when we get to the next spot that we're you know we're planning on going to, then we will uh we'll sign it and frame it and put it you in. You might want to sign it before spot. tonight's dinner and just throw it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's gonna become actually. memorabilia tonight. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> where did where did you want to start? What's I mean, you have a lot going on here. Is it uh, did the did the authorship come first, or was it uh, no quit living that came first, and then it's like the chicken versus the egg, right? right? Yeah, the book definitely came second, but I think as you're doing anything in self self development, personal development world, whatever you want to title it, I think you're always working on different things. And for me, no quit living came uh, many years ago, but it also came through my financial business, through my coaching background on the basketball side. And I've always been an avid reader and believer in trying to just become a better version of yourself. So that was always going on along the way, behind, front, and center. But also, I think people that I've connected with always add value to me, and they always provide value. And we were talking before Mm -hmm. we started recording – you become friends with so many people, but one thing that you said, which I which I thought really was important, is you learn from people that know more than you do. And I think for me, when I started coaching college basketball, I went to every coaching seminar I could go to. I used to go to practices. I went to a bunch of UConn practices, both men and women, because I just wanted to learn from other people. And the one thing that I've found, and maybe you can agree with this, is the most successful people in all walks of life have had so many mentors of people that have helped them along the way. So when you reach mm-hmm. out to them in a positive way, they're willing to help you. And, it, and it's not like you put your hand out and say, okay, can I have some money? Right. But you do it in a respectful way and say, hey, if you wouldn't mind, could we grab coffee or do you have 15 or 20 minutes? I'd love to pick your brain about X, Y, Z. And when you do that in a respectful way, it goes back tenfold. And I'm so fortunate to have had so many incredible people do that to me along the way. And 
that's one of the reasons why the book came about. A, a good friend of mine and a mentor, John Gordon, I think he's written 24, 25 books. He wrote one of the endorsements for this book, and, and I've kind of tried to follow in his footsteps about the way in which he does stuff. And I think something that I know for a fact is success leaves clues. And if you learn from those people that have done it before you, that's the best way to do it. So why fall down 12 times if you could fall down once or twice Learn from those, but learn from other people along the way. Right. Let other people fall and then take their advice and don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. But some people, you know, the interesting perspective to that is some people don't take that advice and they say, oh, I'm going to figure it out. And I don't mean not to do anything your own and not be creative, but why not ask for advice? Why not ask for suggestions? And one of the questions I ask is, you know, if you were going back to start your podcast for the first time, is there maybe one or two things you would have duplicated or maybe one or two things you would have done differently? And then you just be quiet and listen, and people give you gold. And all of a sudden, you're just like, oh, I I didn't know that. And just easy stuff like mics, how to edit things. And and you know this because you guys have a successful show. It's it's learn from other people around you. Yeah. I always joke around with uh, one of my mentors, Thomas Bepko, who (laughs) was on our podcast. But, like, I always tell him, like, like I I learn a lot about what you – do in life, right? Like I learned from that, but I also have learned a lot about what you say like not to do. You know what I mean? Like, so that's, that's sometimes the best advice is what you, you know, you don't have to try because somebody else has already done it, but you have to really like, you know, trust that person's yeah. advice, you know? That's the other thing too, is, is you got to be careful who, who you're following because there's a bunch of people out there. And I think that's the one interesting thing with social media and where it continues to go. There are a bunch of people out there that claim to be you know, experts in these fields and, and not that people aren't experts, but just be careful who you're, who you're taking advice from, because, you know, for example, speakers and coaches and podcasters, you know, there's thousands and thousands of them out there. Right. Just be careful who you're, who you're following. Which, yeah, brings us. So I was going to ask you like, um, you know, writing a book, becoming a a speaker and coach and everything. What are your qualifications? Like, what would you (laughs) say are your qualifications where you got to this point where you were like, okay, like I'm at this point. Um, I've, I can call myself successful in these given fields and I now feel like I can coach other people. Like what are your qualifications for it? That's a good question. So I think one of them is within the coaching space of basketball, coached collegially for, for a bunch of years, coached high school, coached AAU. But in 2011, I got certified through the John C. Maxwell speaking, training and coaching certification program down in Orlando it was four and a half days, and I honestly feel like I got a PhD, MBA, all in one. I still have my notebook. I mean, I was just taking notes, learning. Um, but then the other interesting perspective within the coaching and, and training world is, although those certifications and those things are good, and obviously my, my coaching background helped, you have to put it into practice. And I think that's an interesting idea where, for example, if you went online yourself and you got a coaching and training certification whether it took you two hours or four months. Obviously, you have to have it. That's a good thing. But the second thing is is what I call the sweat equity. It's right. beginning the process and, and doing it for free sometimes, doing it for people that are younger than you, maybe older than you, and, and figuring out what works for you. And, and the analogy I give all the time is a doctor, for example, goes and gets his or her degree from, from a school, whatever their, their expertise is. And obviously you have training and certain things along the way, but then typically they have residencies where they learn and they practice in real life situations. And I myself would never want, for example, to have heart surgery 
with a surgeon that was doing his very or her very first surgery on me. I would like to know that he or she has spent multiple, multiple hours and right. and times doing that over and over again. So I think that's the other perspective too is and they all need a first though. Yeah, no, they <laughs> they do. I just yeah. I, again I have You don't want to be the no, first, yeah. Especially I mean like <laughs> I'm just like a like a dentist if you're getting your teeth cleaned, I'm 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 okay with that. But right. Heart surgery? No, I don't want to be. Yeah, I do. <laughs> or like LASIK surgery? I don't want to be the first uh, first one in that regard. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so how how did you come about starting No Quit Living? You you were already in financial services, and what like made you want to do more? Yeah, so it was right around the time when I did the John C. Maxwell program. I was coaching a bunch of mentors in my in my firm. I was doing a bunch of speaking, and I had served on three different boards at the time. So I was speaking at some, some larger events. And I did that because I wanted to become a better speaker, trainer, and coach selfishly for myself, not for, for a business perspective. And then fast forward a couple of years, I had some more opportunities to coach. People inquired about hiring me. Then in 2017, I launched the No Quit Living podcast, which has been such a blast. And as we were talking before we went live here, you just meet some amazing people. Some and people you're, that you're up in like the three hundreds, right? For three three eighteen yesterday. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's a lot. It's definitely a lot. And I think, as you guys know, you, you don't know the work that goes into it until you actually do it. You're like, right. oh, you buy a mic, you get a camera, you get some guests, and you go. And then it's mm-hmm. like editing, and then it takes you know two weeks to get this guest, and then all of a sudden someone cancels like an hour before. Um, but I was doing all those things, and what I realized was. What I really enjoyed was was helping other people in different fields. And what I mean by different fields is whether it's personal, professional, and so many people that I had been mentored by were doing really big things in the coaching, speaking, and training world. And I emulated a lot of them. And I kind of had that come to Jesus moment where I basically said to myself, why can't I do it? They're doing it to a high level. I'd like to do it myself. And I think it's it's been fascinating. It's been a crazy learning experience, but... It's also been extremely difficult because it's it's so much harder, as you know, doing a podcast. You know, there's so much work that goes behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. What um as far, as far as business is that what you're doing? Business coaching or is it life coaching? Um or how do you like how do you yeah sell it? Like what are the services? It's funny. You I personally and this is just my opinion. I don't like the word life coach. The, okay. And it, and it, I know a bunch of people that are and they they claim to be or they they put themselves out as life coaches. But the question I always ask someone is, well, why are you a life coach? Or to the question you asked me before, how are you certified in essence to be a life coach? Is there a certain number of days you have to live or experiences? Um, But we do a lot of business coaching, do a lot of coaching with with salespeople, do a lot in the real estate world, as well as the financial services world, and then do a bunch with college sports teams. And one of the things we focus on is the we call the PMA, the positive mental advantage. And a big thing for our company is accountability. And when it comes to sports and business and life, there's a bunch of of need, I feel, for accountability. And especially during 2020 with the positive mindset, that's a huge advantage that that people have over each other. And we were talking sports, obviously, before. The top 10 teams in college, top 10 teams in professional sports, generally, the teams are, are pretty close as far as talent. Obviously, some talents, some teams have you know, the best players on the team, but there's typically not a team that's amazing and a team that's terrible in the top 10. But what I always ask people, and then you take it a step further in the sales world and business world is, let's say that everything is is pretty similar and, and 
things are close in regards to talent and skills. What's going to set you apart? What's going to be the reason why somebody wants to work with you or hire you as opposed to somebody else? And a lot of our focus is on, again, accountability, but also the entire concept behind that PMA, that positive mental advantage, which is something that we all can work on. You know, we were talking basketball before we went live. I'm a 5'11 white guy. I can't be 6'8 tomorrow. I wish I could. Right. I, I, I think I'd be playing maybe somewhere. But what I can do is I can work on my positive mindset. I can work on the things that I can control, going back to the idea of controlling the controllables. And I think for me, it's been really interesting being able to sit down with people and see where they are and take them through the process and, and give them skills and techniques to work in both their personal and professional life. Yeah, I agree. Uh, just from like in the, in the mortgage business, like it's 100% commission based. There's no salary. Like you really do need to hold yourself accountable. And I mean, from everything from like, you know, time management to the clients that you're working with, um, mistakes not happening, communication. It's like, you have to be the one it's like, it's your own business. You know what I mean? And, and you reap what you sow pretty much. And if you don't hold yourself accountable at all, like you just it falls apart yeah you, you know you might win a game or two or get a get a deal closed but the consistency is is holding yourself to a higher level of accountability than anybody else told you to yeah um what about the the positivity tribe so yeah at what point were you like okay i'm gonna i'm gonna write a book now so ironically i was writing a different book in january and february of this year and obviously everything changed in in march of this year a bunch of us created a mastermind on Tuesday night. We've actually met on Zoom every single Tuesday night since the pandemic started. We haven't missed one. There's a bunch of guys throughout the country, and we, we called ourselves the Positivity Tribe. Um, and then during that March and, and April, I realized a bunch of us, just people in my circle, that there was so much negativity going on out there with this pandemic and fear, anxiety, people losing jobs, people dealing with depression, you know, the suicide rate has, has jumped to a, to a pretty crazy number. And the whole premise behind the book is these positivity notes that are inside the, the cover. Over the last year, 13, 14 months as a company, we've put out over 14,000 positivity notes throughout 40 states, six countries. And when I say we, we've done a bunch in the Connecticut, New York area, but people reach out to us and they take these notes and they put them wherever they want. A bunch of them, a bunch of us put them under... Um, windshield wipers on cars, just to inspire somebody. You never know what somebody's going through personally, professionally. You never know if they're having a terrible day contemplating, you know, just throwing in the towel and maybe that note will impact them. Maybe it'll then have a compound effect where they're going to go home to their spouse or kids or parents or grandparents, grandkids and, and inspire them, motivate them. And the premise behind the book came from those notes and yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's them. And for me, it was just a fascinating idea how we can really build and grow in the in the idea of inspiring other people. And that's been the coolest concept is people have jumped on board with the idea. The books had some had some really nice success initially, and it's just been a really impactful and meaningful way to to give back. and And we all talk about the idea of paying it forward. And it's just a way for us to pay it forward to people. And the cool part is you you have no idea, you know, who you're going to impact by doing that and putting it out there. Got it. Is, so the book is about, I haven't like looked at it at all. So is the without giving away too much, 
It's just about positive mindset. It's about no. It's a, it's actually a uh, fable similar to a John Gordon book about three high school juniors, two boys and a girl that are actually going through some really difficult personal times, and there are three best friends, and they create this quote unquote positivity tribe. And what they end up doing is spreading these positivity notes throughout their school as well as their community, and they see the impact that they have on people by inspiring people and the concept and we use the hashtag all the time we rise by lifting others up and that's something that's been a huge part of our business as well as as the book and uh the gentleman that that co-authored it with me chris wilberding he's a member of our tuesday night positivity tribe and the impact i've seen it have on on so many people and we're trying to get the book into schools uh i think you know now's now's never been a better time where people need positivity especially with kids i think the the suicide rate with with kids now, it's it's astronomically high, and it, it's really scary. Yeah, I think we. I, I yeah, it bring, is. It is scary. I always bring up uh, Harry, this guy Harry Bell that we had on the podcast. We should connect you with him too. So uh, I don't have it up in here. Uh, I still have to get. We the gotta color. get the book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he started a uh, like a, a long time ago when he was a kid. He's he's from Bridgeport. He's from the projects. Um, his he's he was on our podcast. You want to listen to the whole story? But um, he. Raising the project by his aunt, uh, he, you know, mother was ad- addicted to drugs and he would like see her in the projects and like he had like all this negative stuff working against him his whole life. And he started writing like these like positive quotes down and stuff. So he had like this whole book and then fast forward, tw- you know, 20 years, whatever it was, his his son is going through something at like age nine or 10, I think, maybe a little bit younger. Not, I think it was nine. Yeah. Uh, his son's going through something. He has all these quotes that he used to write and he had a friend who did like animation stuff. So he had his friend start making uh, coloring, coloring book. books. Yeah. And it's called Color a Positive Thought. That's awesome. So he started like making these coloring books and like at one point he's, he's pretty much just selling like these coloring books out of the trunk of his car. And now he's selling them to like school districts, stuff like that. Um, he does huge at, drives, too. Yeah, he, he does, like, a lot in Bridgeport. He's doing food drives, Thanksgiving stuff. Um, always. I mean, he's always just doing Every something. day I see something. He's always live. He's always posting some new. He's got so much food, so much gifts for Bridgeport. He's like American gangster without the gangster part. Like, yeah, he, he is gangster, got, though. Like, yeah, he is. He's not, is, like, he a is, drug he dealer gangster. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's like, coloring book. Yeah. And he, don't, book you don't want to He has a swag to him. He does. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. You have to. Yeah, he's really cool. But at one point in his podcast, he's talking about, like, He's selling coloring like he's on the like a corner near his house and there's a woman buying drugs and then sees him and she's like, hey, you're the you're the coloring book guy. Like I have I have two dollars. Can I buy a coloring book from you for my kid? And he like he's like talking about how he's selling coloring books on the same corner as like somebody selling drugs like in his neighborhood, you know, it's crazy. And That's coming cool. coming back to it, a question that I have for you is like I asked him, I asked almost everybody that come up, comes on here is like what? What do you think like set you apart from not maybe not set you apart from other people, but like where did you develop your positive mindset? Like what kind of like gave you that extra edge in in everything? That's a that's a fascinating story you shared before. I appreciate you, and I definitely want to uh, connect with with him. Yeah. But I think for me, it, everything that I've done post high school and college really started with my sports background, and and my father coached me in everything other than uh, football growing up and would always just put a bunch of positive stuff in front of me, whether it was stories about other athletes or coaches or teams, business, business people. And for me, 
what I realized over over time is that I was attracted to people that had a positive attitude and people that brought people up, people that uplifted people and were smiling. And I didn't understand it when I was little because you don't understand those things, but I've seen it in life. And, and what I've found is I want to spend more time with people that are inspiring, that are uplifting, that are positive, as opposed to people that always find find something wrong in the situation. It's like, oh, this, but, you know, oh, that's great, but that's nice that I have a new car, but it's not this type of car. Or, yeah, it's nice that I got my new mortgage done, but, you know, it's only an apartment. It's not. And I think what I realized is I wanted to continue to inspire people to make that change. And, again, going back to my analogy for sports is you can't be – a pitcher overnight that throws 102 mile, miles an hour. That's just not the way it works. I right. wish wish we could because we'd all probably not be here right now. We'd be playing, <laughs> playing somewhere we'd else. We'd be doing it. <laughs> um, but I realized that we can all change little things within ourselves. And I did a bunch of work on myself. And what I realized was I wanted to be a better version of myself for me first and foremost. So before you can be a father, a husband, a business person, to the next level or taking it that to continually rising to different levels, you have to work on yourself. And, and for me, I, I just jumped into the whole personal development world with different coaches, speakers, authors. And I realized that I wanted to learn from the best of the best, similar to what you guys do and how you do it and asking those questions. But I think what I realized along the way is I can give myself an advantage in life and, and not in the sense of I'm better than somebody but an advantage of my mindset, an advantage of my approach. And it doesn't mean that you don't have negative things come about. And it doesn't mean you don't have challenges or obstacles. But the reality is we all do. And we all get knocked down. You know, the famous Japanese proverb, fall down seven times, get up eight. The question is not if we're going to get knocked down. The question is how many times we're going to get knocked down. And I realized some of the people that I looked up to were the ones that got up and they were a better version of themselves. They were more positive. They were stronger. They were mentally tougher. And I've always tried to emulate some of those incredible people. And I think for me, we have a, a, a concept that we talk about every day is, is one person. If we can positively impact one person every day, then we've done a good job. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like there's always going to be the ups and downs in life. Like you're you're going to get knocked down no matter what. And if you're not getting knocked down, you're probably, you're probably not moving it, forward. You know what I mean? So got to get knocked down. Um, no, I agree. What are, what are some of like the authors that you like really liked, like, like reading like positive stuff from? Like I always had, I read, I read a book by like, I, I don't think I had like a negative mindset, definitely a negative background maybe, you know, but um, like I remember like around like 19, 20 years old, like trying to just like same thing, like self-development, stuff like mm -hmm. that. Read a book by Zig Ziglar oh. that I really, really liked, really yeah. liked. Um, and it was easy to read. That's the thing. So I, I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, but it's a, it's a huge book and it has like different, you know, one, two page kind of just like little lessons in it, you know? And I remember just like, like reading through that and it like, it was like life changing. Like, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, we are very similar. So I was asked on a podcast, oh man, maybe a year ago, somebody said to me, question for you, and I don't think you've ever been asked it. So, you, you know, you kind of like, uh-oh, what's coming? But he asked me, what was the first personal development or, or self-development book I read? And it was actually a book by Zig Ziglar. And he followed up and said, why? And I said, honestly, I said, I was at the Borders 
bookstore in Fairfield, which is no longer there. It's now the Fairfield. Yep, U. shout out Fairfield. Yeah. Yep, we're shout Fairfield boys. You say shout out to Fairfield. Yeah, yeah I do always <laughs> till I die. I, I worked out of there for like six months because we were moving between one office to another that's office awesome. that wasn't done yet. So I was just sitting in that little Starbucks for like six months working because <laughs> I, I didn't want to sit in my house. That's where I studied for a bunch of my different licenses and things. Um, but what I started to do was I started to quote unquote reward myself. If I sat down and studied for an hour, two hours, I'd walk around and I'd buy a book here and there. And I came to, I don't even know what section it was, but I'm going through and I see. Self-help probably. like That or business because Zig's in a bunch of different categories. Right. But I see on the side of a book, Zig Ziglar. And, and I, I honestly said, what the hell or who the hell is a Zig Ziglar? Oh, that's funny. I picked out the book. And to your point, it was quick. It was an easy read. And. I actually got the chance to uh, speak to uh, Zig a couple times wow. while he was still while he was still alive. His his son Tom was one of my first ten guests on my podcast. But Shit. that's that's, that's what awesome. happened to me is is I realized that and and maybe throwing out this to to you and anybody watching this or listening to this is in school, middle school, high school, and in college, I was never taught self development. I was never taught specific goal setting and. Of course, when you're in first and second grade in kindergarten, they always ask you, what do you want to be when you get older? And it's, oh, I want to be a president or a fireman. And, but there's a point in life where that stops. And I'm not in any way you know, anti-school or things like that, but I firmly believe at an early age we should teach kids to have goals and dreams, and which is one of the reasons why we want to get the Positivity Tribe into schools and more schools. We've been in a few so far and, and inspire people to – to try to become better version of themselves, to try to have a goal. And going back to your to your question and comment about Zig Ziglar, that's that's what he that's what he started within me. And I remember reading it and I was like, wow, I've never read this. Now I always had goals. My my parents always were supportive. I had a good I had a good group of friends. But within that, there was no development of, well, if I want to play college basketball, I need to do these 26 things. I knew I had to work out. I knew I had to get in the gym. I knew I had to lift weights and those things and, and get my grades up. But in regards to after after that, or what do you want to do next? And and maybe an uh, interesting thought for our question to you, but do you feel that that's similar to you? Or do you feel that, you know, you had that in your life or you didn't have that in your life? No, like definitely did not have that like in, in our life. Like we, so we're Stepbrothers. We've mm-hmm. been together since we were two years old, so we mm-hmm. always say we're brothers. Yeah. But you're brothers. Our yeah. our uh, our parents are great parents. Yes. But they not but all they they just worked. Yes, exactly. They're workhorses. Yes. Like my you know, my dad owned a uh pizza, restaurant yep. and pizza place in Stanford and he worked 12, ten to ten. Yeah, fourteen like, hours a day yeah, every single day, Monday. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday, Friday, Sunday, every day. doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. You know, Fridays, Saturdays, he's coming home at, you know, one o'clock in the morning after working. Yeah. Um, like we, we hanging out with him, like we would go movie, to work with him. Yeah. You know yeah. I mean? Or, or we'd catch him early. Like a t- it, we would stay luckily. I mean, we would get to stay up, but you know what I mean? Yeah. So catch a flick. Catch a flick. We go to media wave. We go to Dairy Queen, walk back. And that was our yeah. time, you know, but and they taught us. I always say that too, Jake, you know, they're like, they are great parents, but the one thing they did t- teach us is how to put a roof over your head, how to work your ass off, how every day you how gotta, to take your kids to Disney World once. Oh and stuff yeah, like that, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? like yeah. Provided a great life, but they just worked yes. nonstop. Mike's mom, my mom uh, owns Donut in yes. Fairfield. She she was at work at four thirty in the morning, five a.m. every single day. You know what I mean? Like they just they just worked a lot, um, but there was never any like kind of like mm-hmm. 
uh, goal setting or yes. personal development no. stuff going on in the household. No, just, no. We learn how to work from them for <laughs> yeah, sure. You yeah. know, we learn how to work hard. Yes. Um, and in school too, like I like right when you were saying that, like I don't remember ever like having Never. somebody sit down and be like, okay, like we're gonna go over uh, goal setting today yeah. and writing down, you know, where you want to be in six months, yep. what your goal is, how no. you're gonna get there, mm. uh, how you're going to achieve it, what what the steps are to get to it, you know. And so even just, and and you know and on the, on the flip side too, it's like yeah, like that's from the parenting aspect. But like we also went to Fairfield Public Schools, which are like known to be top in in this nation and we didn't have that either there right it's just like if you're not one of those yeah it's it's if you're not one of those kids up here it's like and we were not these kids (laughs) yeah yeah we were not we were not (laughs) you know and and i i think that's that's spot on and i went to some really good private schools growing up and and i don't say that but other than the fact that you talk about good schools and and within that structure and I, and I had a fantastic education don't get me wrong mm-hmm. but there was never a, a course a class about that and I don't think it should be you know comp- and I'm not in any way saying you know completely do the you know the way school is taught in in not only this country but throughout the world but what I'm saying is as things are changing you know have a conversation with with your class teach your teach the students bring in somebody from the outside say hey we're going to have an assembly we're going to have something and I think it's an opportunity so any teachers, any people in the school system, we'd love the opportunity to, to chat with you because I think you can help inspire people, especially during these difficult times we've had in 2020. And I, yeah. think, I think kids are looking for inspiration, mm-hmm. looking for motivation, but also looking for guidance. And what I remember as a child, whenever a speaker came in or somebody came in, I was always super interested because I wanted to learn from other people. And to your comment, one of the first things we spoke about is the opportunity to learn from other people that are ahead of you or know something that you don't know. Yeah. No, I, I wish somebody gave me a Zig Ziglar book when I was like <laughs> I a know. freshman in high My school. My guy's Eric you know? Thomas, the hip hop preacher. I also, yeah. I don't know if I would have been. I love him. I've been trying yeah. to get him on the show for like two years. Yeah. He's probably, Oh, you know, who's calling me right now. Eric Thomas. No, close. Chris Warren's. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> Called back. Um, what was I saying? Uh, Oh, I don't know if like when I was a freshman in high school, if I would have been that open minded right. to yeah. even me too. And that's like another taking thing that in something. From I think it needs to start earlier later. though. But when I went to Housatonic Community College, shout out Housie, uh, we both did. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we did. Um, I didn't, but shout out to them as well. Yeah, yeah they're a great school. They I are. learned I learned more there than I did at Sacred Heart. Yeah, like, you know, facts. It was like Ooh. yeah, I, I'll say that. Sorry, live. Sacred Heart. Yeah. yeah, no, Sacred Heart was great too. It's just like I feel like at. Houston Community was College, development. the teachers like Care. really, really wanted you to do well yes. and were like so into like helping you succeed. And, mm-hmm. you know, they just were the right people. They have the right professors there. Basically. They do. And they really that's do. where I got introduced to Zig Ziglar was in a business 101 class. Mm-hmm. The first uh, book like, they ha- that they had us read was a Zig Ziglar book. And like you had to read it and then write stuff down and like come to class and discuss it. And that really like is like when I kind of started like changing that mindset and like looking into personal development and then. Uh, another big one that I love listening to even to this day is Earl Nightingale. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I listened to that one recording of him talking about goal setting, taking the note card, writing down your what your goal is on, on the one side and then writing down on the other side of it the uh, – which it's a certain prayer that you write down on it. I forget what it is. Uh, what you reap, you sow that that whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you you mentioned something that that's interesting, and and I think it, and you also said that you know teach it earlier or be taught to you earlier. Yeah. But you also have to be in the right 
frame of mind right. to receive it. So I could literally give you, I could say this is the most amazing and it's going to change you. But, but if you're not in that place, it doesn't matter in some ways what's in here because you might just take it and put it down. And I think that's the one thing that I, I found is interesting. But for me, it's it was my mid to late 20s when I really fell in love with, with personal development and not from a perspective of I want it to be better than somebody or I wanted to be more successful from a financial. Um, you just wanted to be a better person. I just wanted to be a better person for myself, yeah. first and foremost. And, and then and the world around you. That's the core principle behind where I think if we could start early with kids, that would be just hugely influential for their future, inspiring them to say, hey, no one's saying you got to you know, work during the summer at four different jobs and, and you know, never have any fun, don't go to the pool. No one, it's, it's the opposite of that. It's out of those 24 hours you have every day, spend 15 or 20 minutes in thought about something more than school or more than sports or more than girls or, or boys, whatever it is. And, yeah. and I think people respond in small doses really well. So like if you went to an eighth grade class or school and they said, okay, now we're going to have an entire course on this, it's probably going to be too much. But what about in your homeroom or what about with your advisor just having those conversations saying, hey, you know, are you reading anything outside of school? Nah, not, okay, well, yeah. maybe, maybe check out this book by Zig Ziglar. And I think if you do it in small doses, as we all know from the sports world, the small wins lead to huge victories down the road. Yeah. yeah. It's also it's so much more accessible today, too. Oh. Like podcasts, mm -hmm. YouTube. Like you, it's, it's, dope. it's so much easier it's the to information absorb age. it, you know? Yeah. It's the information age. Like when we, when even just when we were kids, like yeah. if we wanted something like that, we would have to read an entire book or. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like it's anti, uh, is it anti reading podcast. No. No, but you, no. Make, you bring up such a powerful point, and, and you do as well, is there's never been an easier time to get information. Now, the second part to that is you have to do something and take action with that information. But to your point, when I was growing up, if I wanted a book or something, I'd ask my mom to take us to the public library. Yes. Or to the bookstore. And back then, bookstores were, you know, there weren't many around right. at all. So you go to the, to the library and it's like, there's one book. And it's like, oh, it's, someone took it. it out. And be like, all right, I'll try again in a week or two weeks. Or they're like, oh, we can call you when it's in. And be like, all right, cool. Now... <laughs> Forget Amazon and overnight and things like that, but you want to listen to Earl Nightingale or Eric Thomas or Zig Ziglar. Podcasts, YouTube, go to websites. There's programs. You can buy something instantaneous, an audio book. And, and that's what I, what I tell people all the time now, and I try, to, I try to inspire them, is if there's something or somebody you're looking to learn from or read or, or get information, just Google it, and you'll yeah. have it within seconds. Again, it might have to spend a little bit of money, but... If worst case, sometimes even not like you just yeah, go on YouTube, yeah. type something in, yeah. and like I know watch hours and hours and <laughs> you hours. You get of. so much information on YouTube or on, on the, the web now. It's you don't have to pay. No, you don't. You don't have to pay. The information's there. If you don't want it, it's because you're lazy. Yeah, ah, amen. honestly, yeah. and okay. it, uh, it really is. And all, and going back to like the school system, they if they're gonna implement that, it can't be just like you said. You said it back to accountability. Like those kids that aren't receiving. They need to be. No, they need to know that they could trust you. So maybe they aren't receiving it now. They might receive it in three months. So that's why it can't just be a seminar. It can't just yeah. be a one-time thing. It should be a over and over and over and over and over again thing until damn near everybody in that school is like, "Hey, positivity." <laughs> you know what I mean? Like really though, consistency. Yeah. It, it, and that's that's a really that's a really good point you mentioned. Is 
it's got to be more than just once because we all have been introduced to things or, hey, do this, and you hear it once, or like, oh, I got to call Jake, and then, you know, things happen. You're like, who's that guy? I don't know. I don't yeah. remember. But if you know, you're doing it, you're seeing it, it's being introduced to you, and to your point, maybe the first month or two, it's just it's not hitting home for you. Mm-mm. And maybe as a student, I know when I, when I was young, I, I there were certain things that I just I'd fold my arms oh, yeah. and be like, I'm not doing this. Yeah. But then all of a sudden, you see your friends that are experiencing right. success or getting into it, and you're kind of like, I want to talk. To, like, what's Jake doing? Like, yeah. Like, why is he transformed? Yeah. Like, why? <laughs> why is Jake? You know, that was, that improving was my his grades question, or yeah. was yeah. Was that was my question? Uh, t- when you were in your, you said your twenties, thirties, mid to late twenties. Was was there something that happened that made you look into self development, or was it just like, just like, so- like what was there anything that made you want to dig a little bit deeper? Oh yeah, I I have a very addictive personality. So when I welcome when I, to the family, yeah. <laughs> I was just gonna say like for for me when I was nineteen, I hit like a rock bottom in okay. addiction and alcoholism, and really like was a lost 19 year old kid, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And rehab, like all that stuff and came out of that with literally no idea of what I wanted to do with anything in life. Barely knew how to function as like almost like a a regular human being in in your everyday (laughs) world. And like, it was at that point where I was just, I had nothing. So I was open to anything, you know? And luckily, like I, I just like, I had the right, people come into my life and the right influences and it ended up being a, a you know rock bottom became a beautiful thing for me mm-hmm. and it was like you know it, it I had an open mind about everything like I, I learned about gratitude and you know mm-hmm. everything you know mm-hmm. and just so from from there out it was just like I just had positive people in my life from then on and was open-minded to everything and grateful for it all and just like that's what sparked it for me and like kept kept me on this like grind to just keep getting better and better and better as a person to help other people, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah, that's, that's, and gratitude's a part of, of the positivity tribe. And I have a two pager I use every day with, for me and my clients. And there's a gratitude component in the morning and, and the evening, but to, and I, I, I honor you for, for sharing that. I appreciate that, that backstory. It's for me going back to that, that addictive personality was I, again, that first Zig Ziglar book. And then I was kind of like, hmm, what else on. is out there? And then you find somebody else. And then I think the second person that I, I dug into a bit was Brian Tracy and Jim Rohn was a, uh, was a big one. I like and Jim Rohn a lot Jim's, too. Jim's got a, one of my all time favorite quotes is you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And for me, it was probably a two or three year period where I was just everything Zig had. This is dating back you know, there was, you know, Zig was an older gentleman, so CD programs, and he had a planner, he had all the stuff, and I, I just learned, and I continue to to improve. One of the things that, that I had a challenge with is I was consuming too much. I'd see this, and I'd see that, and I was like, oh, it's great, great, and then... I know, was, I have like 20 books at my house that I still need to I read through, because I keep seeing books, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I want this book. I read, yep. I read like four to 20 at a time. It's, yeah. it's terrible. <laughs> I'm good. with you, yeah. It's, yep. And Gary, I think Gary Vee or, or um, John Lee Dumas talks about that shiny object syndrome where you're like, you see a book, and then all of a sudden, there's another book, and you're like, oh, another book, and then yeah. like, oh, another book. But um, I just stockpile them, and I'm like, I'm going mean, to get through these eventually. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I guess is the right idea anyways, but yeah. You know, th- that, you know going back to E.T. for a second, he says something, and I'm going to just paraphrase, talks about if his house burned down, he could buy a new house. Mm-hmm. But it's those books and those things that he would grab. And, and you know, kind of a silly question, like, what would you yeah. take at the house? And he's like, I would, I would grab my books and, and those things. 
again, paraphrasing, because he said, I can buy a new house again at some point. I can get a new car, all those things. And if you think about that for a second, that's the difference between the most successful people in life, people that are average, and people that are really struggling. It's it's the people you hang around with, the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, and how you try 100%. to level up. And I think that, for me, was was just absolutely fascinating. And then finding some networking groups and then finding mentors along the way and asking them. John, John Maxwell asks a question anytime he has breakfast or lunch or coffee or dinner with somebody is, are you reading anything currently right now? Or perhaps you've read something recently you'd like to recommend. And I say that, I ask that question on my podcast. You know, Jake, I just want to ask you, you know, if you're reading anything currently or perhaps you read something recently you'd like to tell our listeners about. And then I just take out my That's pen and, and you yeah. can use it. You yeah, know, we will. I, I copyrighted it, so it's good. <laughs> um, but I look at John C. Maxwell, and he's literally one of, if not the world's expert in leadership. And he's asking that question. And I said to myself, why am I not doing that? So it was during. If he's the, still searching. That's yeah. my, exactly what it is. And, and I said to myself, I said, it's not about, well, I have a million dollars in my bank account or investment account. I need 1.1. Or I have a $50,000 car. I need a $150,000 car. All those things are, are nice. And I hope everybody is, is unbelievably successful. But I took a look in that self accountability mirror. And David Goggins is, is a big mentor of mine. I he's look great. up to him in so many different ways. But I asked myself that open ended question saying, well, John C. Maxwell wants to learn from other people. He wants to read books. Why, why can't I do that? And <clears throat> going back to my comment before about how you're, how you're brought up, my parents always taught me, always you know, inspired me to read, always tried to get me to read more. My dad in 7th, 8th, and ninth grade would always say, hey, read five minutes extra a night on something non-school related, autobiography, a business book, a sports book, and I was always no, no, no. I've read over 100 books this year and last year, and my dad says, all right, so let me get this straight. You know, you run two companies now. You got kids. You got a podcast. You, know, you wrote your first book, and you still read 100 books a year. But when you were 7th and 8th and ninth grade, you couldn't spend five minutes a night to read. And it goes back to that yeah. perspective. Our parents were like, just please read anything. Take this, book, <laughs> this magazine. Yeah, this. yeah. But, but same, same thing. My dad yeah. would say, read Sports Illustrated. Right. Read the sports section. But it was no, 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 because I was not in the place. Right. Yeah. You have and to be open to receiving it, yeah. Well, not only do you have to be open to receive it, but you also, I think, you yourself have to be willing to do it. So yeah. a lot of people are open to receive certain things, but the next step I think people miss, and I missed it a long time in my life, is going ahead and taking action. Mm. You know, the book, The Secret, Law of Attraction, we all know what the law of attraction is. We've all experienced it in many different ways. But where that book falls short, I feel... Yes, I, is, I agree. Say it. It's the second step is taking action. Mm -hmm. now, now, there's a new book that just came out, The Secret the secret Something. It's basically the 2.0 version yeah, of that. Yeah. They add the action. Blah, 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 blah. But if, you, <laughs> but if you think about it for a second, you can't just put your hands around that imaginary steering wheel of your car. Yeah. You can't wake up in the morning and say, I'm going to be in shape tomorrow. I'm going to sit here on the couch yes. and... Meditate. Yes, yes. You, you want to do that. And I know a bunch of people that meditate for, for a long time. But where I think it fell short is then it's like, okay, what are you going to do today right now? Yeah. So you want to get in better shape? Think about it. Visualize it. But now get up and go to the gym. Right. Hire a trainer. Talking about access to information, you know, hire Beachbody. You know, buy an, an online program. And that to me is, is the difference of people that are successful, average people versus the best. And I think the best always want to level up their information, who who's in their circle. I forget this. 
excuse me, I forget the saying, but they say if you're the you know, richest, sm- per- richest person or yeah. the smartest person in your circle, find yeah. a new circle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're doing something wrong. But then the flip side of that is there's also saying that if you hang around with six millionaires, you're going to be the seventh millionaire. So hang I think out with six bums. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to be the seventh. you be the yeah. seventh bum, yeah. For sure. That's awesome. Um, um, you were, I cut you off a little bit before, but you were saying uh, information overload, like you were oh, like, yeah, reading I, too much. Yeah. Like, I, I, <laughs> it was to your point about having those books, it was like, oh, a Zig Ziglar book. Ooh, a Brian Tracy book. Yeah. Ooh, that shiny object syndrome. And what I realized was, and you'll probably guys will appreciate this, especially with social media, is there's a difference of consumption and just checking off that box versus going ahead and digest implementation, mm-hmm. action, yeah. practicing. And for me, I had a disconnect with that. Not in a bad way. It wasn't a, it wasn't something that I was purposely not doing. Right. But I wanted to learn from you and then you. And I wanted to read that book and I wanted to listen to that podcast. But what I found I was doing was I was focused on consuming in that, that to-do list, that checkbox. Like, mm-hmm. Read another book. Read another book. Read yep. another article. Yeah. Downloaded two more podcasts. I'm so right. much smarter now. <laughs> no, you, you, you are I, smarter. Yeah, I, you I'm better now. Yeah, yeah. But yeah. if you then sit back and just do nothing. I know. So that for me, and it took a while. And, and I think some ways what I realized was I didn't realize it early enough because I'd buy another book. And I'd like a Zig Ziglar book. I'd be like, ooh, there's another Zig Ziglar book. And, oh, he's got a planner. And, oh, he's got a, he's got a CD program. Oh, he's got another book that came out. And all right. of a sudden, you have a stack of seven things. But what are you doing with it? Right. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's so powerful. And nobody taught me that. Nobody said, hey, I learned it the hard way mm-hmm. where I was saying, wait a second, this is a great book, but who cares if I, if I don't do anything with it? It's the same thing having too much information and doing nothing with it is the same thing of just of same analogy of doing nothing with anything. Just mm-hmm. sitting there. There's no difference. You have to take that information and you have to implement it and you have to take action. And for me, part of the action was reading, getting the book, getting the programs, listening to the podcast. But then I, I started journaling a lot. And right. my journaling wasn't, you know, not a dear diary type thing, but it was just writing notes down, ideas writing questions and I write after every, yeah, every podcast. I got my journals behind me. I I write like, cause I, you know, you absorb everything. And then afterwards you're thinking about everything. Oh, I should have asked this question. Maybe next time I see him, I'll ask him this question, all that stuff. So like, I just write everything down. It's it's an unbelievable skill going back to kids. I was never taught that we were taught how to take notes. We were taught the importance of taking notes when you have a test or a quiz to go back. But Nobody taught me, and it's not, I'm not, woe is me. But what I realized is I learned it myself, and it was a lot of this falling on my face back to one of our first um, comments in in the interview is I fell down a few times. I'm like, well, I'm not remembering that. You know what? Maybe I should write it down. And for me, I love podcasts, but I can't do audiobooks at all. I'll be listening to two or three minutes, and all of a sudden, I'll be like, oh, look, there's a bird. (laughs) And I'm like, like, chapter four, I'm like, what happened to chapter three? Right. So... I always tell that as well as figure out what your learning what your mode, style is. Exactly. And, and for me, like I said, I'm a book guy. I underline, I circle, I highlight, I, I fold the pages down. So if you came into my office, I've got three big bookshelves and you said, hey, can I check that book out? What I end up doing is I end up buying you your own book because two, two reasons why. One, I don't want, want to it. give you my book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because I'm like, is he going to get back to me? And somebody that is way more successful than me told me that early on. He said, I never give... He said, I'll give away books I don't like. So if you came to my office and there was a book that I didn't like, I'm like, there you go, Jake. Don't ever take a book from anybody. No. <laughs> anybody. <laughs> um, but 
No, I've given a few books. I haven't gotten them back. It's facts. Yeah. yeah. You, and, and you never for, think to ask for it back. No, I'm not going to. I'm going to be. Hey, dick. remember four weeks ago I gave you that? <laughs> no, yeah, it's like years. <laughs> you have it? Could you give it back? Yeah. Um, but you give books out to people because it's information. Mm-hmm. And But the, the unknown is are you going to do anything with it? Right. Like I've given that. We gifted a ton of books out. We sent with a bunch of people. I know a lot of people have read them because they've talked about them. But there are a bunch of people that haven't even acknowledged it, which is fine because I receive a bunch myself. But having a book is the same thing as, and if you don't do anything with it, it's the same thing as as not having a book. What's a what's the Dale Carnegie book? Um, um, How to Win Friends and Influence. Yeah, people. That, yeah, that's a good one because it's all about action. It's like giving you actions to practice in your daily life, and it like talks in the book about how to practice the actions. Like that's a good practical. Have you read Napoleon good. Hill? Think and Grow Rich. Think and Grow Rich. I, I have think. it in my P- PDF, but I have not. Uh, what's it? What's uh, I think I have. I think I listened to it. It's literally so for my show. I ask everybody, and then I'll also ask what's their favorite, uh, favorite one of their favorite books. And the between the Bible and Think and Grow Rich, the the two books that are mentioned the most. And that book, I don't know if you have it in front of you, but it's either 1936, 1938, or 1939. It was written. So think about that for a second. In 2020, it's still relevant because it talks about the basic things of goals and affirmations it talks about mastermind leveling up and and it's just got some amazing stuff 37 ah i was wrong um (laughs) but think about that for a second it's It's almost 100 years later and it's still one of the most relevant probably relevant now more than ever Mm -hmm. because 1937 is written right after great depression so probably you know probably a good book to read now yeah honestly in 2020 right (laughs) yeah i want to flip the script on you what's your uh or both of you what's one of your favorite I, books besides Zig Ziglar. I know. I, I'll say mine. Mine's The Alchemist. Always. It's right next to my. We talk about right, The Alchemist. Yeah, all it's, the it's time our book. I think it's like show. the downtime book. I'd yeah. Say. It's come up like on half of our podcasts. Will, Will Smith talks about that a uh, bunch. The Alchemist? Will, yeah. And you know what? It's I, so that's good. That's my guy. Will Smith? Love him. I'm, re- <laughs> I'm reading a book right now. And, and if you love Will, you'll definitely know this. And there's a bunch of videos about it. Um, remind me dis- the word discipline after for a second. Mm-hmm. But Will Smith talks about, he said, you might be smarter than me. You might be better looking than me. Mm-hmm. He said, but when we get on this treadmill, yes. he said, either I'm going to win or I'm going to die. On this, this treadmill. treadmill. You're not going to beat me. Yeah. And think about that for a second because that, that goes back to that, what I said before, that positive mental advantage is he's not saying I'm better than you. He's not saying you can't hold a candle to me. I'm a better rapper. I'm a better... He's saying, you might be better than me at this. You might be better looking at me. But what can he control? He can control how hard you go. And David Goggins talks about when people think they have nothing left to give. He said they've only committed 40%. He believes there's another level on that. So think about that for a second. He's not saying, oh, you have a little bit left. He's saying... You've only given forty percent. Mm. It's it's insane. But but Will Smith talks oh, about it. definitely yeah how discipline is the most un, misunderstood word, and I couldn't agree more. Is is asking you guys discipline growing up? You were disciplined by your parents or your coaches or your teachers. It wasn't a good thing. Like oh, you know, see me after class. You're like oh yeah. What dis- self discipline? Yeah. But discipline is is one of the backbones. And I don't know if you guys follow any of um. Who's a Navy SEAL? Uh, Jocko Willink. Yeah. Discipline equals freedom. Chris Warren's is our Jocko. Yeah. And I, I don't <laughs> we wanna... have a couple. We have Chuck, too. And Chuck. Yeah. One of our really, really close friends. He was a drill instructor in the Marine Corps. Yeah. And he's just, he wakes up at 2.30 a.m. He runs 10 to 20 miles every single yeah. day. Climbs a tree. 
He, yeah, the he, rope tree. He has a rope in his backyard that he climbs up and down. Like, this, <laughs> out of his mind, but, like, he's one of the most disciplined people you'll ever meet. I've ever met in my life. Yeah. Ultra marathon runner, you know, 100 miles. Badass. I, mean, he's da- a, he's I don't know if you saw David Goggins on social media, but over around Thanksgiving, he was down in Florida. The 200 yeah. And I think it was his friend's idea, but he was like, let's do it. And he just he just decided to run He He went to go miles. push that guy to do it. So that guy had dropped out of the official 200-mile mm-hmm. race across Florida two weeks before. Okay. And then told him, you know, I guess he was talking to Goggins, and Goggins <laughs> was like, all right, let's, you know, give yourself two weeks, and we're going to go back when I get there. <laughs> but think about that. We're not, do not to cut you off for a second. Think about that. He's like, all right, give yourself two weeks to train for a two. Not, to again, recover from. Yeah. Our, he was already training. But, he like, just think about it. It's like, yeah. that's, that's just where his mindset is, because Goggins wasn't training for, for that race, but he's like, yeah. Two weeks and I'm ready. Like, yeah. Like there are people who train. That guy's always ready. Yeah, yeah he's but people, always. People that train for a marathon for like a year or six months and a marathon is 26.2 miles. You're talking 200. He was, but that my point is he has that, he has that mindset where he's just like. I know I can do A week do from it. now? Okay, that's yeah. no problem. Let me just get a new pair of sneakers and we'll do it. Yeah. The, so I've done some ultra marathon running. I've done 50, 50 miles has been my, my top. And How long did it take you? Uh, 11 hours. It was a I've, trail ultra marathon running. But what I was going to say is when you do something like that and then you go to like, I literally like the, the a year sometime in the next year after doing the 50 miler, I hadn't ran af- at all after the 50 miler <laughs> took months off and somebody like wanted me to come do a marathon with them. And I didn't train at all for it. I just went and ran a marathon, like just powered through it, like all heart. But I wouldn't have known that I could finish the marathon unless I'd already done the 50 miler. And I was mm. like, if I did 50, I could just do that. So it is like a lot in, in the mindset too. You know, I was hurting after that's what I've learned about training for long running is I could probably push myself through a, a very far distance, but the recovery after doing it is mm. not going to be fun. Whereas if I'm trained for it, I'll perform better and I'll feel really, really You'll good recover quicker. the next day, you know, uh, you know, Speaking about Goggins, he talks about how the mind gives up before the body does. And he on the on the other side of that coin, he talks about, and I was watching a video a couple of weeks ago before, or as I was warming up at the gym, and he says, if you convince your mind that you can do it, your body will find a way. Yeah. I think, the thing about that for a second is that's where, the, again, the disconnect of the law of attraction versus having those ideas, those concepts, the visualization, and then going ahead and doing it. And I think for me, you know, you hear a video like that, and it's like, I'm gonna do about to do 20 minutes of cardio. There's never been like, oh, I can't, I can't do it because I'm seeing Goggins do yeah. that, and you're like, all right, I got 20 minutes in me. Yeah, you could hear Goggins near oh, like you soft bitch. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's like, you're it's not so done. It's like, but yes, the, sir. The other thing to remember about him is like he has dropped out of races. You know what I mean? Like he's he has failed going into things and. You know, but he always goes back. Like Dude, that's he, that's he, the most important part you you just said. And I'm, I'm he's so, a human. He is. It's. It, I'm so glad you said that because we didn't touch on that at all during this interview. But he has failed so many times. But what does he do? He keeps coming back. Mm, yeah. He learns from Zig Ziglar. Going back to Zig, one of my all-time Zig uh, favorite quotes is, "Failure is an event, not a person." Mm. Um, I went through a, a very difficult two and a half year divorce and. Fact, I failed at divorce. My ex failed at divorce. I don't in any way, shape, or form define myself as a failure because I learned a ton during that process. And that's the part about Goggins. If you haven't read his book or if you haven't followed him other than just the, you know, the 10 million viewed YouTube clips, he talks about that. He failed at two different 
Navy SEAL Hell Weeks and came back the third one. Mm -hmm. Physically failed. He dropped out. He was way. He weighed almost three hundred pounds. Yeah. He had to lose over a hundred pounds just to qualify for that. And if, if you, yeah, if you haven't listened to his Joe Rogan episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fantastic. He talks about <laughs> what what he used to do was when he he was an exterminator. And he would leave. Get a cheeseburger. And no, like he, a would get, he would get. He would get a huge milkshake, a box of donuts, like twelve like donuts. Drive home, eat that, shower, and then his mom would call him and say, "Come over for breakfast." And he'd go over and have a huge breakfast. And he talks about that now because he failed through that part of his life. Mm. And I'm not saying in any way that he was a failure, but by his terms, in his words, he's like, "I was failing." He's like, "I wasn't anything." And he made a decision to go ahead and be. So think about that for a second. For anybody watching this or listening, if there's something you want to do, try it. Doesn't mean you're going to guarantee right. you're going to succeed overnight. But David Goggins, one of the hardest dudes out there, he lost over 100 pounds just to become a Navy SEAL. And he does these amazing things because he puts his mind behind it, and then his body finds a way. And it's and it's fascinating. But my point of why I excitedly interrupted you is is David Goggins has failed, but. I think every single time he's failed, he learns. Yeah. 100%. Even just like last year, he dropped out of Moab, 240, injury, couldn't complete it, went back this year, came in second place. Nice. You know? Think about that. Think about that. Dropped out yeah. and then comes back and finishes in second place. Like that's yeah. just – people usually drop out like I'm never – and to your point, like not running. If most people with a mindset would be like, I failed, you know, I, I dropped I tried out. it. I'm good. Like I'm good forever. He's yeah. like, I'm good until next year. Right. The woman that won it last year, she was on Joe Rogan too. And she, she goes on and explains like her, how she, how she did it. Like she would sleep for like a very, very short period of time and then run a certain amount of miles and then sleep for this short period of time. And basically she, she's, I think she set maybe a course record or uh, she, whoever she beat that year, she beat by a lot, you know? Do you know Jesse um, Itzler? No. Jesse Itzler's, uh, his wife, Sarah, is the founder of Spanx, the company, but Jesse's the part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. He founded uh, Marquee Jets. He wrote a book six or seven years ago called Living with a Seal. Okay. And the story behind that, it's a true story, is he met David Goggins at a race, and he hired David Goggins to live with him for one month. He brought David Goggins into his house, and the only rule that David Goggins Fire. had for him was you have to listen and you have to do anything I say. And he said, okay, but here's the crazy. <laughs> he probably the, regretted that oh, at some yeah. point. Well, he, at some point he definitely did, but they're still friends and Jesse's gone on to Changed be unbelievably life, successful. Probably, yeah. He was still successful prior to that. But here's the crazy point. When people ask Jesse how he met Goggins, Jesse was running one of these big races with his team. So he'd run for 20 minutes, then the next person would run. He said, I'm sitting there. And he said, my team, you know, we're, we're sitting there. There's five or six of us. And he's like, and there's David and his team. He's like, it's me. my team was me and five or six guys. He's like, David's team was David. <coughs> just and like, there. so he's he rests for five and runs for twenty minutes and rests for and and that's the me the mental perspective of Goggins where he's like, I'm gonna do this. And he's like, if somebody tells me I can't, doesn't mean I can do anything. He said, but if he said if they tell me I can't, I'm gonna try. He said I might die or have to drop out because I physically can't move. He said, but I'm not gonna accept not trying. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. But the, the on Joe Rogan, he's interviewing that woman. And Is that recent? Uh, it's last year, after okay. Moab last year. I, I forget her name. But um, 
he, he was like asking her like about she's, she's not a crazy disciplined person like obviously she's like she's disciplined enough to do a moab 240 and run and everything but she's basically like you know like yeah just like kind of eat whatever i want like <laughs> hang out watch netflix like just <laughs> run a lot and yeah she was so like relaxed she was like the opposite of david goggins she was so relaxed and like you know just a different mindset but the same like same goals you know who's gonna row the boats yeah yeah <laughs> But yeah, he's 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 a beast. I love listening to him. His like Instagram videos, and then his his wife posted something, and she was talking about how she posted a picture of his feet. Oh, his I don't feet know if you saw I that. Saw his feet are. But what she wrote in there was like he just, like she was saying like he wouldn't even know if it, if today was Christmas or if if it was his birthday if she wasn't there to tell him oh. that it was because he just wakes up and does the same thing every single day. He wakes up stretches for two hours or some ridiculous I've, i don't think i've ever stretched for more than 10 minutes i'm about mm-hmm. to say i don't know if i've stretched for two hours in my entire life right yeah, yeah. He, he stretches does it two too. hours yeah two hours and then he runs and then whatever it is eats whatever he eats same thing every single day but like yeah that he's just he's in it you know and and to your point some of those people that are unbelievably successful they they have the same routine all the time and, yeah. and not that there's anything wrong with wear that. Wear the same clothes every day. Like, like yeah. Steve Jobs would wear the same thing. Because he didn't want to think about anything he didn't else. Want to, he didn't want to take the time. And, and Mark, like me. <laughs> and Mark Zuckerberg does the same, same thing. thing. He's like, I'm going to wear this. And, and think about that for a second. You start to burn yourself out if you're making too many decisions every exactly. day. So if you're sitting there like, damn, what should I wear today? And you're wasting that Energy's time. Energy precious. That's why I don't eat as much anymore as I used to like. I don't need it. You yeah. know what I mean, it's too much energy I'm giving. I need that energy. Same with people too. Jeez Louise. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, side note. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag side note. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think that's a good uh, spot yeah, to leave I off on so for too. now. Until next time. Um, Until next time. Real quick. So, where can people find you? Where can people find you? Here, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna move in the couch. <laughs> yeah, it's actually it's a futon. Yours. It's fire. Just come on down. No. Uh, NoQuitLiving.com, and then we're pretty active on social media, no underscore quit underscore living at Instagram. And I always give my personal email, which is chris at NoQuitLiving.com, because I'd love to connect with people. And I just want to say thank you guys for the opportunity. It's been an awesome, awesome time. Thank you. Thank but you. we have one more question oh, for yes. you that we yes. ask. Yes. We, ask we always yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't so worry. We, we're going to start asking. Well, right now, actually, what's your uh, book recommendation? Is it? A- yeah. Overall or just recent? Other than the book that you wrote. I was about to say, see? <laughs> Other than the book that you wrote, the positivity. You, look at it. you have to find, everybody go check out the Positivity yes. Tribe. Pre-order it on Amazon because it's sold Any, out right anywhere now. Anywhere books are sold, you can get a copy. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than the book that you wrote, what's a overall book? Overall book, uh, one of my favorites, and I get asked that question a lot, is The 10X Rule by Grant Cardone. Mm, nice. I absolutely love it. And the reason why is Grant talks about in that book is people have goals and what they typically do is when they're falling short, whether it's a year goal is they lower their expectations. And he talks about flipping the script on that is you need to increase, you need to quote unquote 10 X your activity, your output and fantastic book and easy read, but it, it had a huge impact on both my personal and professional life. Got it. Okay. It's 10 X rule by Grant Cardone. You heard it right after you read the positivity. Yeah. Then, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then second question, the question that we've always been asking people is like, if if you could go back in time to your younger self, what would be the one piece of advice that you give yourself or that you have, you know, obviously For you're thinking young, a lot about younger people, like what they should be doing. What's your one piece of advice? 
I it's funny. We asked, I asked that exact same question, and I preface it as if you could go back and give the 20-year-old version of yourself just one piece of advice, what would it be? And for me, it, it's changed a bit over the last two years, but where we are now would be is going back to Goggins and some of those people is, is you can give a little bit more. And I think what I mean by that is not from a sports perspective, but in general, you know, you can study just a little bit more. You can spend five more minutes with your younger brother. You can, you know, go visit your grandmother. You can, you know, yeah, turn Jake. the TV off. And, yeah, Jake, go visit your grandmother. No, um, spend time with your younger brother. Yeah, <laughs> I got you. Um, if he you. doesn't want to, we'll hang out. All right. But, but it's just that little bit, and it goes back to the adage of just 1% more. And I think there were times in my life where I would have loved to have somebody, you know, sit on my shoulder like, all right, Chris, you can do a little more. And that's what I love about Jocko Willink is he doesn't talk about, okay, don't give up today and keep working out for the next, you know, 400 days without taking a you know, day off. He says, just don't give up today. You know, he's like, maybe tomorrow, maybe the day after, but don't give up today. Awesome. Love it. Perfect. Love it. Guys, like, sub, subscribe. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Peace. Peace.